All right, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we uh, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the time we can come into your house. Uh, God, that we can um, be around our our brothers and our sisters. God, that we can open your word, we can hear from you. Uh, God, we ask that um, as we uh, go throughout the next few minutes together and we open your word, that it is you that is speaking to our hearts. Uh, God, as we uh, learn more about what it means to pray um, and how we are to to pray and the models in which we have, God, I ask that uh, we can just apply that to our lives. Uh, Father, we ask that um, if we're burdened by anything, that we can just set that aside for the moment and we can just uh, focus in on you. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. How are we doing today? Good? Great? Fantastic? How am I doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Bobby, for asking. Um... All right, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, if not, see me, I'll I'll hook you up. Not right now, I'll hook you up later. So, uh, open to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We're going to talk about um, Daniel in the lion's den, which, what what I want to do over the next couple weeks, is there an echo in here? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's quite a large echo up here. So, uh, echo, echo, echo. Here's what I want to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about prayer models. Prayer models. Now, I want to throw a disclosure out there. I'm not saying that, okay, this is exactly what you have to do to pray, nor is this like a step-by-step, okay, step one, do this, step two, do this. Um, What I want to do is I want to throw some models out in front of you, and these models are going to uh, be uh, biblical models, those in in Scripture that have shown us what it means to pray and how we are to pray and all of that. That. My prayer is, in this, is that you draw from what it is that the Bible says. I'm going to instruct in some, a few ways, but what I want you to focus on um, is uh, that when we're going to dive into, like, we're going to talk about uh, Daniel and the Lion's Den, which is, you know, one of the, the favorite of, of, of all time. Even um, uh, people who, who didn't grow up in church or had never been to church, they refer to being in the Lion's Den. It's kind of uh, one of the, those sayings, uh, those figures of speeches and stuff like that that people use. So um, understanding that, that, that Daniel and the Lion's Den is not just a kid's story. Uh, is, is huge, is huge. So we're going to see Daniel and how he is a prayer model. Um, and then we're going to, uh, next week we'll, we'll open up um, uh, another prayer model. And then the following week, I got something really, really special. Uh, we're going to do the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, but uh, I was going to keep it secret from my dad, but I, I can't keep secrets from my dad. Um, but so in, in two weeks when we, when we go over the Lord's Prayer, I have, uh, I found when we were moving the offices around and everything, a document that my grandma, my, my dad's mom gave me uh, not long before uh, she, she passed away. And um, it, it was a, a breakdown of the Lord's Prayer. And it was, you know, the, and, and what we're going to, how we're going to look at it is the Lord's Prayer 
her um, from the eyes of grandma. Uh, but she had some really good insight that uh, I, I want to I share uh, w- w- with every, everyone. Um, and we'll put a, a box of, of tissues under dad's chair. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is all right. Um, but that's going to be in, um, in a couple weeks. But today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, last week when we started, um, or I, I should say I started in on what, what Dan started the, the, the week before, um, talking about prayer, we, we talked a lot about confidence in prayer. And how we're to, to approach God confidently, but how we approach God is in a posture of prayer. So it says that we should with confidence go into, uh, in before him, into the throne room. So we receive mercy and we receive grace. So we don't, remember, we talked about we don't have to kind of tiptoe in front of God and, and, and act like uh, the cowardly lion on the Wizard of Oz and get all freaked out. No, we need to go boldly and confidently but humbly before, uh, before God. And, and that confidence is, um, is key. Confidence is key. And we're going to take that one step further, I believe, today. And we're going to focus a little bit more on, on trust. What, what confidence and trust look like and, and how we can see a, a model of prayer through, um, the, uh, you know, through, through Daniel, the example of, of Daniel. So, uh, like I said, uh, to begin with, though, um, models are just models. Uh, and I don't want us to think that models are perfect because models in anything are, they're, they're, it's not that this is a, a perfect way to do this. This is a, an effective or a useful way in which we can approach prayer. We're going to see with, with, with Daniel. So I, I don't want anybody to think, well, this is the, the end all, the beats all. This is, what, this is how you've got to do it. No, this is a way in which you can do it. Are there a lot of things you, that I believe that you must do and the Bible is clear that you must do? Absolutely. But I don't want you to think that, well, I've got to put myself, throw myself in the lion's den to be, you know, uh, trustworthy of God. And no, no, I'm not saying that. But hear what it is that God's saying today and understand that, that, that um, we're, we can see a, a really good picture um, through the, the, this uh, event of Daniel. Who, who like, who's, uh, who, whose favorite Bible story is Daniel in the lion's den? Anybody? No, nobody? Y'all sinners? Uh, no. Okay, I, I just wondered, I mean, what, what about uh, Jonah and the whale? Anybody? David and Goliath? Okay, some of them, all right. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Okay, yeah, yeah. My shack, your shack, or a bungalow, right? Um, what, what, what about the seven sons of Sceva? Yeah, me, me and Brian like that one, you know. That's fine. That's cool. Um, I, I just that was just fun because I, I think that w- what happens is w- w- we hear a lot of, of Bible stories, and it, this really happens throughout the Old Testament. We hear Old Testament Bible stories. Um, if you grew, grew up in church, you, you had the, the, the flannel graph. Uh, how many of you remember the flannel graph? Some, some of you, yeah, it was it, okay. Um, some of you are like, "What's a flannel graph?" No, it's not. Dad wearing a bad flannel shirt. Um, <laughs> 
No, uh, whatever. Ask Miss Stephanie. She can explain it to you. Uh, but we had these little pictures that stuck on it, and they would tell the, the, the story of, uh, of whatever old, and we normally, most of the time, like 75% of the time, we were always in the, the Old Testament. Because there are a lot of good stories in the Old Testament. But I think that what happens, has happened over the years, is we have a tendency to say, okay, those are good for the little kids, but they really don't, we, we need the Jesus part. And we need to have all of, all of the, the good stuff in the, in the New Testament. Yeah, there's good stuff in the New Testament. We, we need that. But we can learn so much from the Old Testament. So we should never take the Bible and say, okay, here's the old, here's the new. I'm going to stay in the new and forget the old. No, we're not going to really understand the new if we don't have a, a, an understanding of the, the, the old. So that's what I want to kind of uh, dispel the myth today that this is just a kid's story. Because how this story ends is definitely not a kid's story. Um, those of you know that how the ending of, of, uh, of Daniel and the Lions then ends, you're like, yeah, it's not a kid's story. We're not going to go into the, the, those details a lot, but uh, it doesn't turn out well for those who uh, set Daniel up. But, so, if you're there, do this. Sit, sit there, put all presuppositions, all what you're bringing to the table about what you know about this story. Not that it's not important, but just, just hear what, what, what is said about this story and how we're going to, maybe this is a, um, a, a good lens to, to look at this story or a new lens to look at this story. Because a lot of times what happens is we, we've heard the story, so we automatically, okay, it's talking about this or it's talking about that. Well, just, just step back for a second and let's just hear what it is that God's saying and glean from, from that. So, we ready? Yeah. Anybody else excited? Yeah. Woo! Let's do it. Awesome. We got like an hour and a half left. I think my watch quit working. Or I just don't know how to tell time. Um, wow. Okay. It's on the back. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. So if you don't know who Darius is, this is homework for the week. Read through um, some of Daniel. You'll get some background. Uh, make sure that you understand uh, that when the Bible is giving us uh, these historical events, historical events can be backed up by secular history. So this is one of those things that can be. Um, even though for years they would say, well, we don't even know who Darius is. But they, they do have evidence of Darius. That's a geek moment. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials. Don't get hung up on the, the satraps like governors, people are in charge, okay? Over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one. Uh, okay, real quick, understanding Daniel was one of uh, the, the Jewish people who was taken out of, of Israel in exile. It has been transplanted into uh, Babylon now. So he is, is one that is not a, a native. He's not a Persian. He's not a Mede. We're, we're going to see that. Um, he is an exile from, uh, from Israel. He is one of God's chosen, chosen people, which is important here because I think this is, well, it is important. Anywho. So of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. This Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. All right, pause for one second. 
So we understand, or we should understand, or we can understand that Daniel is exiled into this kingdom. And in this kingdom, he's still a Jew. He's a Jewish man. He's in a land that's not his. Obviously, there was something special about Daniel that uh, made him rise up or rise to the top. There are many stories that, that you can read earlier on in Daniel that, that helps give us a, a more complete understanding of this. But what we need to know is that, that he has made his way, he, that he was noticeable to the king. Uh, what we have to understand, too, is the, the notoriety from, uh, of Daniel to this king is, is quite new because an old king just, um, uh, um, well, he died, but uh, Darius just came into to power. What time frame is, is, has elapsed here? We don't know, but it's not a long time frame. So what we have to understand, what I want to stress is um, this is not like uh, something new. What we're going to see is that, that Daniel had a life style, um, a, a, a long track record to follow uh, where he is at and where, wh- how God is going to, to use him here. So it says, because an excellent spirit was in him. What is this excellent spirit that was in him? Some will say, well, the, the, the Holy Spirit was in him. Um, okay. Um, is that a, a possibility? Absolutely. It is a possibility, but what we need to understand is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is not like the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Not different, not different persons. I'm not saying that they're different. What I am saying is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is not the same as the indwelling Holy Spirit of the New Testament. Before Christ conquered Satan, sin, and death, there were periods of time which individuals would be filled with the Spirit. So um, uh, King David was filled, Solomon was filled, even Saul was filled, but then the Spirit left him. Um, Then we know even Daniel here, he he could have been one of those guys that was filled with the Spirit for a, a period of time. But not as you or I sit here with the living God inside of us. So there wasn't the promise of the Holy Spirit given where, okay, you're once saved, always saved. The Holy Spirit has sealed you as a guarantee for eternity. What we have here is because of the obedience of Daniel, because of his lifestyle, because of um, his uh, following after and seeking after God, the Spirit was upon him. Okay, but we kind of, we, we track him with that. I want to make that, that, that clarity here because we have something way better than what Daniel had. I, I don't want to throw this out here and, and tell you and give you this, this grand picture of this um, pillar of faith in the Old Testament and say, yeah, but he had so much more than what we got. No, no, no. We're, it's, it's actually the complete opposite. We have so much more than what he had. So we are, are, are completely able to accomplish and do these things. So this, 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 spirit, or this excellent spirit that was upon um, him or in um, Daniel, uh, what could it have been or was it the Holy Spirit? Yes, but I also think it was, it was just his, his life that was in him that came through as well. And why I say that is I think that too often what we do is we kind of rely on the Holy Spirit and we think that, okay, you know, I'm just waiting on the Spirit. I'm, I'm waiting for Him to do this, or I'm waiting for Him to do that, and it kind of makes us lazy. 
whereas it, it, it shouldn't be, and God never intended it to be that way. The spirit that, that it is in, in, inside of us, it dwells inside of us, gives us power, gives us the ability, gives us strength, but we have responsibility that we need to, to do stuff with that. We need to do things. We have to put that into practice. And I think that in the Old Testament, that this is a good picture of um, Daniel being obedient to God. And because of his obedience to God, we're seeing the execution and the, the, uh, the fruit coming forth of the Spirit. And this fruit that was coming forth of, of, of the Spirit was something that we're going to see in a second that was very noticeable. Very, very noticeable. On a side note, as... Um, as I was kind of you know putting all this together, I was I was thinking about um, having an excellent spirit and how can we how can we do that now? What is, how does the Bible speak into into our lives now? What what what, what can we do? Well, um, had a few conversations this week, and uh, you know I like these 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 quips, you know, these, these sayings that you can remember, um, they just kind of roll off your tongue. I don't know what you want to call them, rhymes or whatever. But I was thinking about this. One of my favorite words in, in, in Greek is spudazo, which means do your best. So uh, Paul uses that to Timothy. He says, do your best. And, and I was thinking about all this and like, how, how can that go into having an excellent spirit about, um, about you, about me, about us, what we do? If I'm doing my best, what I need to do is trust God for the rest. So, so just think about that. Do your best, trust God for the rest. Well, oh, that sounds, that, that, that's corny, Lee. Fine. It could be as corny as you want it to be. But here's the deal. God does not require anything more of you than your best. All right? God does not require of Jake to be the best Lee. Or does not require of Bobby to be the best Matt. No. God requires me to be the best me, Bobby to be the best Bobby, every single one of you to be the best you. Do your best in all that you do. I, I, I look at it this way. Why wouldn't we? If, we? if we wave the banner of Christian, why wouldn't we do our best? God gave us his best. Don't let the, the, the lies of Satan say that, well, you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and, and you're nothing if you can't accomplish this. No, 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 no. Here. God requires you to do your best. What is your best? Well, only two people really know that, you and God. And, and God's not requiring you to do your almost best. Some will, and I think that we have a tendency to fall into, like, I'm, I'm giving him 98.5%. Some of what, that's not, if Bobby's giving them 98.5%, I'm giving them 99.1%. Well, yeah, I'm going to give them 99.9%. Well, I'm going to give them 99.99999999%. Well, it's, it's not a percentage in which God wants. He wants it all. It's, it, it, it's, it's all. To do your best, to do your best, to do your best, means that you, you, you know what that is. God knows what that is. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows what that is. It, it, it's something called integrity, right? How do I know if Bobby's doing his best? Honestly, I don't. But I'm confident of this. If Bobby's doing his best and, and, and God is doing the rest, we're going to see fruit that's taking place. And just think about that. If you are not doing your best, who are you hurting the most? 
you and God, right? I, I, you've heard me say that it, it's not trying, right? I'm not saying, and I, I picked on uh, Jeremiah a little bit this morning, but that's all right. We have others in here. The, the, the millennial generation, you know, that, hey, just try your best. We'll give you a participation trophy, right? No one thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. Not funny? It was good? Oh, no, whatever. It's true. It's that entitled, yeah, it's that entitlement kind of thought. Not everybody has, whatever. Anywho. Where's I going with that? <laughs> trying, thank you. I, 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 yeah. So it's not just trying. So we, we can try all we might, or all we may. We can try with all of our might. But that's not what God says. He, he doesn't say, just try your best. Just try home. It's okay, you tried. No, that, that's, that's society. Hey, Johnny, you tried. It's okay. Yeah, you're just sinning. It's all right. Uh, yeah, try, try is a good excuse. Try is an excuse. What we need to, we need to do our best. How do we do our best? We train for the best. Why do we train for the best and why do we do our best? I already said it, because God gave us his best. Remember Colossians 3, um, 17 and 23 talks about, you know, whether, whatever you do, do um, uh, unto the Lord or you're working uh, heartily for the Lord. Understand everything you do, how you live your life, you should look at this, I want to do the best because I've been given the best. And how do I do the best? How do I have this excellent spirit about me? It does take some, some understanding of obedience. We, we, we have to repent of sin. Are we going to be perfect? No, we're not going to be perfect. But we can't, we, we can't expect to do our best and give God the best if we're holding on to sin in our lives. We have to repent of that. It goes on here to say, verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. So they, 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 they set out say, okay, we're going to find something wrong with this dude. But they couldn't find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. This excellent spirit in him produced a faithfulness now, this faithfulness, what we have to understand, was seen by all. Was he perfect? No. It says, well, there's no error, no fault. In according to obeying the, the laws of the kingdom, and we're going to see according to obeying uh, the laws of his God, is what, what they say, he's going to be found without fault. He's going to be found faithful. I like to think of it like this. He, he had a good balance to his life. And that's what we should have in our lives, a good balance. That doesn't mean that we need to be the extreme uh, Christian, uh, or the Christian extremist, or we need to be on the other end of, you know, grace, 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 whatever. We need to have a balance where, you know, when people look at us as believers in Jesus Christ, they see faithfulness. Faithfulness doesn't always mean that you make the right decisions. Faithfulness doesn't mean that you, you're without sin. Faithfulness means, you know, okay, when, when I mess up, I know where to go. I know where to turn. I'm going to do my, my darndest to, to, to live according to what God has set forth for me. Why? Because I want to do my best for him. 
Verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they figured out, you know what, he's, he, 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 we're not going to find anything in connection because he's not doing anything um, anti-kingdom. So we need to find something that we can you know, pose his, his religion, his God, against what it is that, that we, we are doing here. Verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. One thing that I I think that um, is uh, really important about this text right here that I... um, that I think that, that maybe we've overlooked in the, in the times in which we've read it, is that uh, we have a tendency to think that this was done in secret. Daniel knew what was going on. Daniel knew these guys were out to get him. Daniel knew that they were looking for something to shake his world or to rock their world. Daniel knew that they wanted to get him out of the picture. And that's why I love the, 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 the calmness and the content that we can see of Daniel here. Daniel didn't get distracted by it all. Even though these guys were trying to, um, basically they're trying to kill him, they want him dead. He wasn't, as we use the, um, of our, one of our football coaches in, uh, in high school, Bobby will know this, he wasn't wigging out. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, his mind wasn't, wasn't all flustered like a lot of us get when things don't go our way. Would we all agree that things weren't going Daniel's way? Yeah. We can understand that he wasn't distracted, he was content, he was calm. I like to think of 2 Timothy chapter 2 in reference to this. If you want to hold your place in Daniel, flip over. If not, it'll come up on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 4, talking, um, Paul's talking into Timothy, and he says, No soldier gets entangled in, civil, in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. How could David not get um, uh, distracted? How could he, he, he not get all discombobulated and, and wig out? It's because he stayed focused on the Lord. He, he focused on God, even though that he knew that things weren't going to be going well for him. He focused on God. If, if we were going to, if we were all kind of going to do a little bit of self-examination here, think about the last time you freaked out. Maybe it was this morning. I don't know. Maybe it was right like you were repenting in your car when you pulled up to the church. I don't know. But just think about that. The, the last time you wigged out. Was that, that last time that, that, that you wigged out, was that because, could you honestly say, I wigged out, I was, I was focusing on the Lord, but I still wigged out. Could you honestly say that? No, most of the time when, when, when we, um, we, we get distracted and we wig out, we, we get anxious and, and, and everything, is because our eyes are, are, are taken off the Lord and, 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 and put on something or someone or even put it on our, our ourselves. 
Things aren't going like I think they should. Somebody or something is standing in, 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 um, in between you and your goal. That's when we wig out. Well, for Daniel here, he kept his eyes on, on the prize. He kept his aim on, um, aim on God. Even though, even though, and, and, and we all can understand this, even though that these dudes were lying. None of us in here ever have to deal with liars, right? That is one of the biggest, and my wife will attest to this, the, one of my biggest pet peeves is someone lying to me. I, and I, I don't care. I have walked in. I just did this a couple days ago. I walked in. The kids were watching a, a TV show, a, a harmless Disney channel. Everybody thinks, oh, Disney's harmless. And everything. It is fine, whatever. But I walked in there, and, and I was in the other, actually, in the other room, and I heard them talking about, oh, it was just a little white lie. It doesn't really matter. If you, as long as you lie and you feel good about it, it's okay. I said, no, turn it off. Because here, here's the deal. That, that in and of itself is a lie from the devil, the Apostle Paul tells us that, to, that we need not to lie to one another. Because what we do when we, when we and maybe some of you are thinking, well, does it really matter? Little white lies never going to hurt anybody. But here's the deal. Who is the father of all lies? The devil. The devil. Right. So if, if, if we tell a lie, what we're doing is we're speaking the devil's language. No, no, good, no good Christian folk want to speak the devil's language, Right. No. When we tell a lie, no matter how small it is, it's still, you're speaking the, 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 the language of the father of all lies. So yes, all lies are damaging. Because when we tell lies, it, it just opens, the, it may crack the door just a little bit. And then you tell another little lie, and it cracks the door a little bit more. And what we're doing is we're giving opportunity for Satan to, to come in and wreak havoc on our minds. Because what happens is we start believing the lies, and we put the truth away. No, 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 no. Apostle Paul says, you know what, that's what happened uh, to, to uh, the, the, the church in Rome the, the, they, um, and the people in, in Rome because they, they, they uh, quit believing the truth and believed the lie. That's what the devil wants to do. At the end of the day, he wants you to believe a lie. What that lie is, it may be small, it may be big. But what we need to do is we need to stay focused on God through this because if we stay focused on him, we can be calm. We don't have to have anxiety. We're going to see the outcome of all this and what this produces and what this shows us in a second. Verse 10. This is how I can say everything I just said about he was calm, he was collected, he stayed focused on God. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. So obviously we know he's, he, he's of some stature because he's got his own house. He's even got a, a, an upper chamber. He's got windows open towards Jerusalem. So he's looking to the west here. It says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. So when all this was taking place, he went to his place in which he prays, he got down on his knees and it says that he prayed. Is that, okay, so wait a second, is that what I've got to do for, for my model of prayers? I got to go to a place, I got to get down on my knees, and I got to pray. You could, but that, that, that kind of goes in what we talked about last week about the posture of prayer. If the posture of prayer that you need to get into a physical position, if it's on your knees, if it's on your face, fine. 
Whatever that is, you, you, you can do that. But I, I think that what is mo- most important are the words that come right after that. As he had, as he had done previously. As he had done previously. So when, when the, the stuff was hitting the fan and people were trying to set up a, a way in which to, to kill him, he stayed calm. The reason he stayed calm, the reason he stayed cool and collected is because he had a lifestyle of prayer. It says that he had done this previously. One of the most important things that we can do in prayer is be consistent. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. We need to understand, that, okay, so in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says to pray without ceasing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Does that mean that I have to you know, always be praying? I can't talk to anybody? No, that's that posture of prayer. That's that open communication of prayer. Acts um, chapter 1, verse 14. It's, a, it's, a, it's another one. It says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Pray without ceasing is I'm going to devote myself to pray. Does that mean we're praying every second? No. But I'm in communication with, with God. Romans 12, 12. Another one. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. There has to be a consistency here. Because you're going to freak out when people lie to you, about you, or whatever. If you're not constant in prayer, you're going to get anxious if you're not constant in prayer. What you don't need to do is break glass and pray when bad stuff starts to happen. That's, that's the result of most people. And, and, and if that's you, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray. What I, what I want you to, to understand is we need to develop a prayer life. And remember, do your best. You don't have to pray like Dan does. If everybody prayed like Dan prays, we'd get nothing accomplished. We'd all be praying all the time. That's, that's all right. But we, don't, we have to do our best. We have to develop a, 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 a prayer life, a life that, that is, is constant, that is consistent, not a life that all of a sudden, oh, nothing else is working, so I better pray. Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. We're catching this pattern, right? We need to be constantly, we need to have persistence in prayer. Well, I'm not getting the answers to prayer that I I want to get. Okay, are you getting answers to prayer? Well, maybe, I don't know. Keep praying. Just because you're not getting the answers in which you want doesn't mean that you're not getting answers. We have to accept the answers in which God gives us. Are we going to always understand it? No, we're not going to always understand the answers. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Oh, wait a second. Now we're going to talk about praying in tongues and everything. No, no, no. That's not what this says. Praying at all times in the Spirit. If we're talking about an excellent spirit that was in David, we're praying in the Spirit. What we need to do is we're praying according to the will of God. God is guiding us. The Spirit of God is in us, is, 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 is giving us the empowerment to pray what it is we can, um, or we should pray according to His will, which comes through obedience to Him. Now, this is not legalism. 
This is obedience to Christ. If we want to walk in the Spirit, if we want to pray in the Spirit, we have to do our best at what God has given us. It goes on to say, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Duh. Like he wasn't going to, they knew. They they knew about it. He knew that he was going to get caught. It it, it didn't change his his direction, did he? No, it says he he opened the windows. It says he did exactly what he's always done. He wasn't scared, right? Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign this injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, this, or The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Another lie. Did Daniel go out and and say, I have no regard for the king? No, he went out and said, I have full regard for King Jesus or for God first. Because what we have to understand is God's law trumps man's law. If we have to make a decision on to follow God or to follow man, everybody's seen God's not dead, right? Or God's not dead too? Yes? No? Yeah? It's a good indication. I'm going to follow God. And even though it may not turn out the best in the eyes of man, God's eternal. Man's not. I'm going to have to stand judgment in front of him. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. So we know that he had some, that there was more than just uh, Daniel worked for him. There was a relationship there. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. They're pressing him. King, you got to do what you said you, gotta, you, you, that you said that you were going to do. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning David, or I'm sorry, Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No, uh, no diversions, uh, were, or diversions were brought to him, and sleep fret, fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out with a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Pause for one second. We can understand, as we're looking at Daniel as a model for prayer, he not only prayed, uh, was in constant prayer and had a consistent prayer life, those who were around him knew that he served God. Now, when I say that, remember, keep in mind, David had a balanced life. He was faithful to the king um, as he was being faithful to, to, to God. 
And it was noticeable. He wasn't obnoxious. So he, he, was, he, was, he was noticeable, but he wasn't loud about it. And I think that that's where we have to understand, what is the balance? It's different for, for, for every individual. But I think that we need to know where, okay, where's my balance here? Because it's not as if you have a spiritual life and then you have a everyday life. No, it's one and the same, and we need to understand the balance here. We are to live every day for the Lord. And this is what Daniel did here. He was not loud and obnoxious, but he was noticeable. Because he was consistent. How was he consistent? When everything hit him, he kept focused on the Lord. When people wanted to kill him, when people were lying about him, he stayed focused. That's not an easy thing to do. But it was because that excellent spirit was about him. It's because here, we can do that because the spirit of God dwells inside of us. I know that Jesus says 360 some times, you know, it's said in the New Testament, fear not, or some type of, of, of don't be afraid, don't be anxious. It goes on to say in 21, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths or shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. I was faithful to him. That's why this happened. And also before you, O king. So I'm faithful to God, but I'm, I'm faithful to you as well. I have done no, no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. How is Daniel a prayer model? If you don't hear anything else today, it's because of his trust in God. It wasn't because of his, his, his uh, excelling to the top and his fancy gadgets and gidgets and his abilities and prayers and everything. No, 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 no. It wasn't because of any of that. It's because he trusted his God. Daniel's lifestyle of prayer was trust to God. Trust, I, I, I think that we can look at trust as a character trait. It's not you can just say, hey, I trust, or I do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trustworthy. Right? No, no, no. It's something that, that you, you can't say that you are. It's something that you are. Daniel was seen because he, and was saved because of the trust in which he had in God. Last week, we talked about confidence, and, and confidence is key. We were talking about confidence is key in prayer. But if we're going to take an even further step into understanding prayer and a further step into how we can boldly and confidently run into and enter into the throne room of God to receive mercy and grace in times of need, we have to understand that it goes beyond confidence and it goes to trust. Confidence, I, I believe we can understand confidence is like, I can have confidence of something I know of something or someone. I can have confidence in God that he can do this, or he can do that. 
and which we should. So we should not minimize confidence. But there's a difference uh, in what trust is. Trust is taking confidence in we knowing that, that, we can, that he can do this and knowing something. Trust is, even though I don't know, I'm going to enter into, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you, God. I have confidence you can do this, but I'm trusting you now to do this. There, there's maybe, maybe for some of you, well, you're just splitting hairs. I don't care. It's understanding that there are a lot of things I would guarantee, I would bet my Bible that there's a lot of things in here that you are confident that God can do. That you're confident, that no one's going to shake you that you're, that of your confidence in what God can accomplish and what God can do. But there's a fewer number of you that actually takes that confidence and steps out in trust because of that confidence. The devil is, that's where the devil plays the games. Confidence in God. He can do this. He can do this. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, can you really trust God to do that? Does God really, did God really say that if you eat of this fruit, you'll die? He just doesn't want you to be like, no, it goes back to the fall. It goes back from the confidence in God to, okay, it's, where's your trust in him? Where's your trust? We know that Daniel trusted his God. And it was because of his trust. He was like, okay, you can do whatever you want to me. I trust in him. And it says it's because of his trust that he was free without a harm, without a scratch on him. So the question I want to leave you with today. The question, one question. You have to ask. You have to ask this question. All week. Lord, am I trusting you? When you ask this question, be prepared for the answer. Because if you're going to ask the Lord, am I trusting you? If you're going to ask him that, he's going to reveal some areas in your life that you're not trusting him. And what are you going to do about it? Because for, 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 for Jesus to be Lord over all, he has to be Lord of all. We've got to trust him. And when you're asking this question, Lord, am I trusting you? If you're bold, you'll say, with everything? Because it's easy to, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you with this, and I'm trusting you with this, and I'm trusting you with this. Not so much over here. God, I, I'm trusting you for, to get me this job or to um, love my wife or, or whatever it may be. But when it comes to, uh, I'm not, I got my finances under control or I got my, my schedule under control or whatever. I got my boat. On, well, I don't know what it is. Anytime you, you, you have a line of, of bifurcation where you, you have, I trust God with this, but not this, this determines all of this. I'm not saying everybody's got to go out and sell all their possessions. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, hey, what God has given you, are you trusting him with that? Are we being good stewards of what he's given us? Because we can trust him. He wants us to trust him. 
That's where that abundance of life comes from, is in trusting Him. Let's pray. God, my, my prayer is that um, as we've talked about trust, that we cannot just talk about it, but that we can, uh, um, we can do it and, and we can understand it's not going to be easy. This is not something that we're going to accomplish this week. But we can start to identify, okay, what areas am I not trusting God in? God, what areas am, am, I, am I saying, well, I'm sitting on the throne in this area. I've got this under control. God, what areas of our lives are we doing that? God, that doesn't mean that we just check out and we, we are to be ignorant and just, oh, I'm just going to give everything to God. No, 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 no. You've given us a brain. You've given us abilities and talents and times and treasures and all this to trust you with all that. You've trusted us to trust you with all that. God, let us just focus in on you. God, let, just let, let, let us uh, just live a life that when somebody looks at us, they can say, he or she, he or she is faithful to, 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 to God. There's, this, there's an excellent spirit about them. Lord, let it not just be a facade. Lord, let it be true. Let it be real. Let it be effective in our lives. And when I say it, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit. He, that's a he. he. He is effective in our lives. But let, let our countenance, let everything about us reflect you. God, we pray this in, in your name, Jesus. Amen.